On this episode of AV Week, how do you deal with ghost meetings? The founder of Mersive has now joined QSIS, and Sonos gets into the AV as a service business. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. This is AV Week. Episode 611, recorded Friday, May 5th, 2023. Ethereal AV. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, Kelly Teal, uh, just west of Houston, uh, Texas. How are you, man, from HGA? I'm good. How are you? Thanks again for having me, as always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and from the the, the outskirts of, of Texas to New York City, uh, George Chaco from, from Pace University. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. And uh, last but not least, an old friend. We've known each other a long time. Neither of us are old. Dan, Dan Gundry from Barco. Welcome, sir. Speak for yourself, Tim. Uh, I, I embrace the old, but no, thank you. So obviously long time watcher, second time participant, I think. So thanks for having me back. Yeah. I haven't gotten my AARP card yet, so I'm not old. All right. Well, then we're not going to go there because I think I just got my mail yesterday. We're, we're going to cover uh, two or three things happening this week. A couple of them are pretty significant. Uh, I mentioned uh, we're about six weeks out from Infocom. If you're going or if you're, if you're not planning or if you're not going yet uh, and you want to go, go to Infocom, uh, show, show, org uh, for AV Nation. You can use the AV Nation code get in there we'll talk about more later because we've got a, a ton of stuff happening uh gundry's got a ton, ton of stuff happening as well as, as barco um george and the folks of the higher edge ed um market have some stuff going so we'll talk about that as well uh first story this one kind of threw me for a loop kids uh chris janes uh which a lot of us know as the founder uh, and the genius behind immersive has joined qsis as Senior Vice President of Software Technologies. James, of course, is the founder of Mersive and brings extensive experience in software development and digital signal processing to QSIS. In his new role, he will, quote, unquote, be responsible for overseeing the development and implementation of software technologies across the QSIS ecosystem. This appointment highlights QSIS' continued commitment to innovation and delivering cutting-edge technology solutions to the industry. Mr. Gundry, we're going to start with you on this. What does this mean? What, what does this say about the direction of QSIS? First of all, I think it's a really exciting time in the industry. Uh, I think software we've talked about is the future. And I think this kind of, I think it confirms the commitment that, that QSIS has been making to building an ecosystem, building a platform uh, that's based on more than hardware. So I think it's exciting. I'm, I'm very interested to see, um, was a big fan of Mersive when it first came out. It was a very innovative product, even in a market where there was the click shares of the world. Um, so I think there, uh, there's opportunity for sure, but I think there's more excitement about the potential of how they integrate AI, machine learning, and what have you into their lineup for sure. All right. Kelly is somebody who designs these systems and, and watches them go from conception to implementation. What does this say about the industry and that leaning more towards, you know, software side, the network side, the, the ethereal side? 
So I yeah, I think the industry's already headed towards being a software based slash network integrated industry uh, for most of the AV systems that we design today. Um, as far as bringing Chris on, I know that QSIS has has had this evolution of their software-based platform for over a year now or almost a year. Um, so I think they're going to continue to work on the software innovations in that sense, including their virtualized control processing, which is good news. Um, and just as they've always stated, enhanced uh, customer experience, which I really appreciate because these, as we start stepping into more of the network-based territory and kind of turning AV and network into one, that's really important is to have that enhanced uh, customer experience. And, you know, I think uh, as they also continue to develop on their their core products, so their 610s, their V-cores, their bridging, um, I think that that's only going to get better. Um, so I think they're just kind of kind of uh, capitalize what they've already, on what they've already started to to uh i guess develop you could say and i think they're going to use chris uh james as a way to further develop that solution um and you know for for uh qsys because they do have such a wide range of products uh and various applications for the professional av industry um which already does include the amplifiers and processors and control software i think they're their focus on developing the software-based solution provides that greater flexibility, scalability, and, and integration. Um, so I think that's what their main purpose of hiring Chris James was, is to, to further expand on that. Yeah. George, both Dan and, and Kelly mentioned something here, and that's enhancing the customer experience. Uh, not for nothing, you are the customer. So so how does, how does moving towards a software-based solution and getting somebody like Chris, who again is, I mean, I don't use the term genius very, very lightly here. He's incredibly smart. Um, and, and I'm going to be interested to see what he's able to bring to QSIS, right? Because Kelly's right. They've already been kind of going down this road. Putting somebody like this in place only does, you know, only enhances that that travel. But how does how does this move to software enhance the customer experience? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, being a part of the education, uh, higher ed university, um, program, I can tell you that right now, the way most universities work, while we try to be green efficient and all this kind of stuff, um, a matter of using software and the AI base, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to have to agree with Dan and Kelly here. I think there's only benefits that can come out of this. Um, if I if I go back just a couple of years, I don't think, I think very few people knew that QSIS was more than just a sound engineering company, right? They were more than, they are more than just amplifiers and speakers, right? Uh, but they are just starting to really make a name for themselves, I would say, post-pandemic. And I think this is going to be a fantastic um, addition for them and his strong background. Obviously, as you mentioned, the obvious strong background in, uh, in software programming and the AI stuff. AI scares the heck out of me, but uh, maybe I'm too old school there. I don't know. Uh, but you know, it, it can only be a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I remember this is probably five or six years ago and, and I was walking the show floor at, at Infocom, uh, with, with Chris Neto and TJ Adams was, was showing off the QSC control, right. And, and their first iteration, this is before they had, you know, AV over IP. This is before cameras. This is before any, it was their first step outside of 
the audio only sector, right? And at the time, folks were like, what the heck are they doing? Right? Like QSC is or amplifiers, right? They're speakers. That's exactly it's what I see. Right. And holy cow, has that group really evolved and, and really kind of shown folks don't ever don't ever pigeonhole any company in this industry into one little sector because we're all capable of evolving yeah. into something new. Just give us a bit of time. Tim, the other thing that I think is important, um, and, it, and I think I think QSIS is doing it right, um, but it's one of those things to, to look out for in the industry, and it's beyond QSIS, and we're going to talk a little bit about some other companies that are doing it. Um, when, when manufacturers pivot to a software model, the fear from an integrator's perspective is that they're going to start to sell direct or at Absolutely. least go around them in channel. Um, and I think QSIS has, has built a, a strong reputation of working through channel. But I think what it means is for a fair part of the of the audience here today that do integrate projects that resell manufacturers such as QSIS is they've got to learn a very different sales model. They've got to learn a very different value proposition. So I don't want to understate that part of our growth. There are pains there that integrators need to recognize and, and step up and, and deliver on. Well, and, and there's also pains in a, in a different sort of way that the customer has to learn as well, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the one of the adages or, or one of the drum beats here recently, as we've all had this discussion as AV, IT is IT, AV and, and that whole thing is from the IT side and for the folks that say that say that say the AV is IT. Well, the, the IT managers are the ones writing the checks and that, that's me. Right. I, I 100 percent am, am, am in that camp. It's their budget. They're the ones making those decisions. But the the the, the point there is, is that they're used to paying as a service, right? And we'll get to as a service. So they're used to leasing or, or paying as a service for their, for their switches, right? Or, or for their infrastructure. That doesn't necessarily mean, and I've learned this the hard way, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to purchase their AV the same way, right? And it has to make sense. And there's a whole lot going on here. And it's, it's, it's more than this, that we have time for this discussion. But you're right, Dan, is, is the sales folks, that service these customers that service George have to learn that, but George has to learn that as well, is that this is different than buying an Extron, you know, 16 by 16 HDMI switch. And I, I could also say that, you know, as an end user, I'm used to buying the box, right? So yeah. when someone comes and sell, t tells me, um, here's a software as a service <clears throat> option versus selling hardware, the first time I'll take a quick pivot on this. First time we saw this was when we went uh, lecture capture. We went completely yep, yep. software based, right? It was before that. It was a box that you know you got from wherever you got. You put it in a classroom. Someone went hit record and walked away. So now we use something. We use Panopto, which is a completely software based scheduled. You know, it's it's amazing. So that initial shock for a user um, like myself is like, hmm. So I'm not buying a box. What's you know. Uh, but that can only really, in the long run, benefit um, a, a company like Qsys. You know, even in their uh, what their expertise is is the audio engineering field. You know, whether it's you know the automatic gain control or uh, whatever it is. Like, if I'm in an event space and the best I could do is have a student work an event, um, you know, do I really expect them to? know exactly where the gain is how to if i tell them you know trim the gain you know do i know what do they know what they're doing if a lot of that stuff is automated it does make life easier 
if that yeah. makes sense. I think it's an important point here because it speaks to everything we're going to talk about today, which is the AV industry has gone through some some really big quantum jumps, right? The analog to digital conversion, the digital to network-based conversion, right? The um, Right now we're talking about the AV to IT conversion. We're talking about hardware to software. I think the next one, Tim, to kind of t tie this all together is going to be the commercial conversion, right? Converting us as a project-based sale into that subscription-based economy. So it's really cool stuff. I'm excited for the future. That, that's what we call a segue, kids, uh, because our next story <laughs> is, is about as a service in the commercial world, Sonos. Um, just show of hands, how many of y'all have a Sonos on, on our call here? Because I, I do. No, no, Kelly and no, Dan. Shaka and I have, have a Sonos. I used to. So you, you're, you're a half. So two and a half out of this, right? Too old. I, no, too you're old. not too old. Stop that. <laughs> um, Sonos is entering the commercial software as a service market. Uh, Sonos, of course, is known for its home audio products and is now going after the commercial market with a quote unquote suite of SaaS tools designed to simplify audio management for businesses. Uh, the tools include centralized uh, control and management of audio systems, integration with popular business communication platforms. And this is the one that gets me custom audio branding solutions, which I find fascinating. Um, it's also um, the, the move into commercial uh, SaaS market may be an opportunity for Sonos to expand its reach and capitalize on the growing demand for audio solutions in the business world. Kelly, I want to talk with you first here. Um, you know, where first question here is, is who are they competing with? Where, where is where is Sonos going with this when it comes to because this is distributed audio, right? This is yeah, it's audio. not. Yeah, they're not doing anything new here. Yeah. Um, I commend them for going that direction because I, when I was working in high-end residential um, God, almost a decade ago, uh, Sonos was the thing to put in uh, into homes as a cost-effective solution and a wireless speaker. They have so many more competitors now. They've got Bose that makes and design and manufactures audio equipment, including wireless speakers. Then they've got Amazon Echo devices with built-in Alexa, Google Nest. They've got Apple that makes the HomePod and the HomePod Mini. I mean, they've got even Harman Kardon makes a high-end wireless speaker and home audio system. So they've got a lot of competitors. I think where they're going to change is that they are uh, offering that that SaaS option, um, which you know I think their intention is to deliver software over the internet as a subscription service. Ultimately, is that that's what they're trying to do. Um, but they're also, I feel the move is smart because they're also offering a range of services. So I think they have the Sonos radio now, uh, which is their streaming oh. service. And they also are uh, prov for providing uh, curated uh, radio stations and, and into those yep. streaming services. So they're also offering that range of software applications that allow the user to control the devices from the smartphone, tablet and computers. And what everybody wants today is convenience. And that's what they're offering through this, this, um, I guess you could say service. And uh, they also have an API, which allows, I believe, third party developers to create applications and services that also will integrate with those same devices. Um, so I think that's where they're kind of doing it a little differently is they're allowing developers to build custom solutions that extend the functionality of the Sonos devices. And the, 
aside from from that, everything else, I mean, they have tons of competitors, but I think they're I think they're doing this in a way that's smart to allow new ways for users again to interact with their audio equipment um, and kind of entice people to use their their product in a commercial setting, which you don't see often with Sonos. I know years ago it was an ask and it was just so absurd to think that you would put Sonos in a, in a commercial or uh, amenity space or retail store. And, uh, you know, we'd get asked all the time, uh, you know, years ago, can we put Sonos in there? And it just wasn't designed for that. It wasn't something yeah. that they, that we thought would be a good solution. And now they're kind of like, okay, we heard you, we listened, and this is what we're going to do now for commercial spaces. I think it's a good move on their part. Um, I think what they're doing is smart. I think that they're, they're, they're they're making an appeal towards these retail spaces and these, and these commercial spaces. And I think that it's long overdue. Um, but I think they're doing it in a way that they're not going to be drowned out by all the competitors they do have. All right. George, where do we see this being implemented? I mean, we, we, Kelly was talking about, you know, a number of competitors that kind of do distributed audio, but obviously Sonos here is, is offering a couple of, of add-ons. Where do we see this being implemented most? This, I mean, you know, speaking from education perspective, I maybe in your welcome centers, maybe, uh, but for the most part, I think this lives in retail. I think this lives in a Starbucks. I think this lives in a Nordstrom rack. Um, I don't know why I said Nordstrom rack. Nordstrom, I could just say Nordstrom. Um, <laughs> uh, you see where I get my clothes from? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, I think it, it does belong more in the retail space and it does in the education space. Um, Yes, I love my I love my Sonos uh, amp and speakers that I have at home. Uh, but when it comes to the software as a service, um, and this might be my lack of information, but I'm thinking, you know, people have Apple Music, people have Spotify, people have Pandora. Are, are we already flooding a, a market that's already? Uh, are we putting more into the market that you know that's not ex necessarily a need? But again, I can't speak for the retail side of it. So maybe yeah. that subscription model is different. Dan, we had a, a gentleman on a couple of weeks ago from a company called Perfect Octave and, and, and not, not to give QSC too many or QSIS too many, too many commercials today. Um, but Perfect Octave created a module that you drop into QSIS and it pulls in. It'll pull in a, Son a Sonos um, station. It'll pull in, you know, a Spotify station. You know, where do we see the future of Sonos in this space, in this commercial world? Because Kelly's right, ten years ago it, it was, it was almost you know it was almost insulting, right, to suggest that you would put Sonos in a space, but they've they've made they, they created an entire commercial division, right? They they saw this need, they saw this ask, so this is what's come of that. Where do we see them in that commercial space? Well, first, I think it's important that any company continues to try to innovate and and move around as they need to to find more market share, uh, stay out of the commoditization of the market. And Kelly touched on that in a number of different ways. You know, George even kind of touched on a number of different ways in terms of flooding the market. So I think that's first and foremost, uh, it's, it's admirable, it's commendable for them to try to do this. I think the future is, you know, I, I think it's a couple ways, right? So I, I think more that the integrations of platforms uh, become a reality uh, so that's your that's your drop in that's your integration side of it. I think that becomes key because that's survival. You're met. You're you're. It's a force multiplier for an organization when they have integrations with other players, so that they can you know basically amplify their message and who they are and their and their value proposition. So I think that's important. Whether it's it's Sonos, whether it's your perfect octave, whether it's others like that. 
two, I think it just becomes survival. It's where can I provide a feature set that's not being provided by some of those other players, whether they be resi commercial, whether they be residential coming in, or just you know some other type of offering. So I think when you start looking at the value propositions, I have this, but they don't. Um, two, you know, just you know, making your ecosystem bigger and which force multiplies your 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 sales pitch per se. Um, and again, I'll go back to my earlier comment. The go-to-market becomes really important here, right? I think what was smart for Sonos was they built out a commercial brand first and an integrator channel around it before directly going to SaaS. Because when you directly go to SaaS, you can buy it online, right? Just give me a, just give me a, a web store and boom, I can buy it and no problem, right? Uh, so I think they were smart in what they did in terms of building out the commercial side and then going this way. Seems, seems intentional. All right. Last story here comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. Uh, they posted a article about grow- the growing issue of quote unquote ghost meetings or scheduled meetings where participants fail to attend or join. The problem is particularly acute in the age of remote work where employees may be juggling multiple meetings across different time zones. Article also also refers uh, to several uh, offers several strategies to tackle ghost meetings, including setting clear expectations for meeting attendance using automated reminders and calendar tools and prioritizing communication and collaboration among members. Article also discusses software and automation solutions that include tying occupancy sensors into the scheduling system. Uh, So if nobody's in the physical space after, let's say, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, uh, room gets released, right? It gets released on on the scheduling uh, system. George, we'll start with you when it comes to classrooms, when it comes to meeting spaces, huddle rooms in, you know, uh, whether that's, you know, uh, for study hall or st- study spaces inside, you know, education spaces. How do we ensure rooms are being used even if they're scheduled, but nobody shows up? This is a good one. Um, I can talk about this for a long time. You probably don't have enough time on the show for this. Um, but it's the age-old ba- battle in higher ed is space. How to book? A, how, how do I book a space? If I book a space, you know, people don't show up. They don't show up. They they don't call us to tell us they're not going to show up. And, you know, there are all these issues that happen. But let me move forward uh, post-pandemic and with this, you know, work from anywhere culture that we're in. Uh, I'll start with meeting spaces first. Meeting spaces are ceasing to exist here in a higher yeah. ed setting. We are actually in the process of converting our meeting spaces into seminar rooms mm-hmm. uh, or high flex rooms. And the reason being, everyone's using Zoom or Teams or whatever their platform are. And we're seeing more and more folks prefer meeting this way, you know, and as opposed to going to a meeting room. And a lot of meeting rooms are empty for the most part. Hmm. Now, the flip side of that is also in the classrooms, what we're noticing is the first couple of weeks of class, there's the classrooms are full, everybody's there. And soon enough, people start realizing, well, there is a high flex solution in this room there is a link on my LMS. Why am I coming into the classroom? Um, I also teach some courses here uh, here at Pace, and students often ask me, oh, you know, Professor, I'm not feeling well today. Is there a Zoom link? I intentionally don't have HyFlex in my class, and the reason is I know exactly what happens. I have had students in the past that joined from a lounge, which is 100 steps away from my classrooms, right? Um, so that culture is is growing quite a bit. And when we walk the hallways, we notice there's a lot of empty classrooms. So yes, um, I took a long way to get to this, but yes, absolutely. Occupancy sensors, scheduling panels, scheduling systems, 
Um, you know, we've used XIO Cloud from Crestron in the past, which works really well. Um, you can actually tie in all the systems in your classrooms. So, you know, 10 minutes in, nobody's in the classroom, the OX sensor does not send somebody, it shuts off the projector. It, you know, dims the light down to 20%, so on and so forth. Um, for the more end of the night, right? So classes are done 9, 9.30 at night typically. We might have an occasional club that goes in there, but let's say a hard shut off at midnight and then everything turns back on at 7 a.m., right? So yep. these are all um, these are all steps. And before I take up too much time, one, one more thing I'll mention is with the work from anywhere culture is we do have folks that do hybrid. So this is also gonna really help with hoteling spaces, right? So we don't necessarily have assigned spaces anymore that are untouched or unused for years at a time. Instead, you have some hoteling spaces, you schedule it on an Outlook calendar somewhere, or you walk on and you say, you know what, I wasn't supposed to be here today, but I had to come in, I need a space. You go to up to go up to touch panel, you schedule them a squat here for the next hour and a half, so on and so forth. So I think uh, from a, you know, uh, energy efficiency perspective, from a usage perspective, I think it's fantastic. All right, Gundry, same kind of question here as, as, as we come back to work in some way, shape or form, I'm not going to have that argument today, but, but there will be people physically in, in somebody's office space, right? Somebody's going to be scheduling, whether that's a, whether that's a hotel, right? A hotel space, a hoteling space or a meeting room. Um, somebody's going to come in and say, Hey, I, I'd like to use this space for this amount of time and then doesn't show up. What, what's the best use case here? to make sure that if those spaces aren't being used, they do get released for the next group of people that do want to use it. Yeah, so first of all, I think this problem's existed as long as we've had meeting spaces. It's not a new problem per se. And the industry has been really good at providing solutions that have tried to address it in lots of different ways over the years. The scheduling panel conversation, you know, was, was something born out of this. And now you've got some of the hot desking type solutions, the hoteling solutions. I think the missing ingredient for a lot of organizations is around policy and procedures more so than mm -hmm. the technology itself. The technology is there. Um, we can we can bake in and design systems and, and, and implement support systems that can notify either proactively, reactively, write reports around it, what have you. I think the real question that a lot of organizations need to ask themselves is what do you do with the data? What do you do with the information when you find out that Tim keeps constantly scheduling meetings and keeps not showing up and taking those meetings away from George and Kelly can't use the room either, right? At some point, there needs to be a policy written around that about some type of a disciplinary action or some type of management supervision to say, Tim, man, let's have a conversation about this. And guess what? Your ability to now schedule a meeting room, let's, let's, uh, let's shame you into the fact that you can no longer schedule that meeting room without George's approval from now on. I don't know if that's the answer, but there's some type of policy that I think is the miss. You just made everybody on my team very happy, just so you know. <laughs> uh, Kelly, we'll wrap up with you here. Um, you, As somebody who designs these systems, you're the one talking with the client, right? You're the one talking with the customer. Walk me through this because you you have the capability now or, or getting the capability to say, Miss, Miss Customer, you're, you're only using your spaces 20% of the time do you really need a 50 person conference room, right? How do you have that conversation? And how do you get them to start leveraging some of these capabilities today, but also for their future installs and their future needs? Yeah, you'd actually be very shocked by how many uh, customers, it's an afterthought for them. Wow. Um, and, and just like Dan said, it's, it's a policy driven issue as well. Um, so I, I, 
I'm a big proponent of live occupancy tracking, whether that is through uh, some kind of interface or built into the scheduling panels. Uh, I always, always add it. And, and believe it or not, a lot of people will take it out to save money. They just want to save money. That's where, that's what gets taken out. One of the first things that gets taken out. And I, I bring up the topic of energy conservation. I bring up the topic about space utilization, waste reduction, you know, uh, you know, all the sustainability issues that come with it. And I, I also go over the topic of occupancy reports and how they can be a valuable tool for the facilities and the IT departments to understand how a space is being utilized within a building. Um, you know, I, it's something that I can only beat a dead horse so many times um, until the issue finally will start to arise and they'll come back and say, yeah, we needed that, yeah. that tracking. I mean, even within our own office, when I, when I did work in an office, um, there would be people, we, we'd help, we, I designed an application where there would be people who would book desks to let us know how many people were going to be in that office because we had so many hoteling desks and they wouldn't show up. So what we started doing was, um, and, and then same thing with people who intended on, on booking and to be within the building that day or that office space that day, they choose it, but then wouldn't book it. So what we started doing was we started setting a time limit on booking. And if you didn't set, if you didn't book it within that time, it was gone. And then, um, if you didn't show up for the day, cause what was happening is people weren't showing up and, and space was getting used up. That wasn't really being used up. Um, if you didn't show up and check in, it, it, you got your, your assigned seat taken away. So, um, you know, I think Dan's uh, spot on with that uh, regarding it's really, a, it's really a policy. How many people follow that policy? I know that's easier said than done. Um, but I've always pushed the occupancy reports, especially in, in uh, projects with office buildings, office spaces. Um, I always throw that in the design from the very beginning um, for the necessary rooms where I feel there's going to be either a bigger meeting space, um, you know, and I bring up also, it's not just people not showing up, but what if they go over time and, um, you know, you, you think that you're able to use this room at this time with this many people and they don't, and, and, and they're still on a call or they go over. Cause that happens a lot too, especially while working remote. <laughs> it's a big issue. I've gone over time and meetings probably five times this week. Um, and, and the people I'm talking to are in a conference room. So um, I think it's also useful in that aspect. And then for the capacity planning aspect, um, I really think this would, this is something that we need to push more for IT departments so that they can help. It helps them understand how many people are using the different resources, the workstations, the conference rooms, and the yep. networking equipment. Um, and that helps the managers then, IT managers then make a, informed decisions about when to upgrade or replace equipment. And, um, you know, so it, it's kind of a ripple effect. It's not just knowing who's in the room and how we can use it and how we can better use it, but it also goes back to what's being used. Um, and, you know, I just think it, it provides a valuable insight into how the facility is being used and helping those IT departments optimize resource usage. Um, so, uh, you know, how we implement that, I mean, I, I'm a big, big, big proponent of doing live updates when it comes to occupancy tracking. I, I would love for every time for it to be built into the schedule uh, schedule, I can't talk today, scheduling panels. Um, you know, I know that comes down to programming, but even if it's a web-based interface uh, where people 
somehow can check in or it can tell you how many people are in that room and it's an accurate number of how who's in there. Um, I think there's definitely some development on that end and how we can better utilize live tracking of occupancy sensors. Um, but I do think it's something that we're going to have to really push and keep pushing because it right now I do see it as an afterthought quite a bit. So it, 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 it's something that we're going to have to deal with because as, as we do get back to work in some way, shape or form, the and this is a different conversation, but the, but the real estate uh, occupancy in general for commercial for commercial real estate is also going to start start coming home and and you know that's something that you know our customers the the, the AV integrators customers are going to start dealing with you know sooner rather than later. So, all right, gang, uh, thank you all so much, George Chaco uh, from Pace University. Thank you, sir. How do people connect with you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, George Chaco, uh, Twitter. And Instagram, it's a little different handle. It's my other hat. The podcast is the Bald AV Guys. That's right, at Bald AV Guys. Um, if not, you can also email me at gchaco at pace.edu. Uh, pace University, greatest university uh, in the world. Yeah. Very cool. I am not allowed on the Bald AV Guys podcast. I just No, no, you are there. absolutely uh, allowed with your luscious locks. <laughs> um, but uh, we had uh, Rich's Rich's cohort, uh, Rich Miller, George's George's cohort, Rich Miller, on a couple of weeks ago on this program. Uh, check out their their the podcast we did with them, the two of them special. Um, they are doing some really really exciting things in the turn in the in the area of AV education. Uh, George mentioned the fact that he's a professor. What he's teaching is AV, right? And so it's really really kind of exciting bringing along the next generation of, of AV technicians and AV. Uh, uh, AV uh, folks. So yeah, thanks. Uh, and check that out. Mitchell, we'll put that on, on this episode. Mr. Gundry, good to see you, sir. Um, how do people connect with you or Barco? So I'm on LinkedIn, on Twitter as well. Um, I don't have as great a following. I think six different audience members for my podcast called Knock Your Socks Off, which is a control room focused uh, podcast series. You can find that at marketscale.com. Barco will be at Infocom 2529. It'll be my first one with Barco. Uh, so please stop by and say hi. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a ginormous booth full of projectors and video walls. So some really cool stuff. Uh, Kelly, great to see you, uh, as always. Uh, and now if you're watching the video, you get to see. Raya. So, yeah, she's uh, she's been whining this whole time. Yeah. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn under Kelly Teal. So it's a pretty easy name now. Now that I finally switched it to my married name. Raya has no social media. She's just uh here to make noises oh, she should she's pretty dog i know um, i've thought about it <laughs> um for me for tim albright do not follow me on the twitters um because at this point i'm cautiously optimistic about my chicago bears after the nfl draft last weekend that's all i'm going to say about that um i also have a booth well i don't personally have a booth but the company i work for cti we have a booth 4101 um you go in the front door hang a right um uh, and if you find uh Black Magic, you're right in the same neighborhood. So come out, come by and check out, check us out. Uh, but more importantly, go by the website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, including the special we did with uh, with George and Rich. Also, we are heading to Infocom, so you can go by the website, avnation.tv. Check out our coverage there. Uh, you can go by infocomshow.org. Uh, use avnation as the code and get a free uh, free pass. Uh, we'll also be doing a number of of events we of course have got the 10th or 11th i've lost track now av tweet up that is from four to six 
on Wednesday, the 14th of June uh, in the Orange County Convention Center. We've got a couple others as well up there on the website. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>